Welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the subpar, mediocre at best podcast about being a new dad. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the completely unscripted, unconventional podcast, just trying to help us all figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. I'm Matt, the self-proclaimed dad ass, and with me is is a good-looking face with a spectacular beard, Sean, a.k.a. Dude, the resident family counselor. Sir, how are you doing? I'm really well. Um, on the topic of my beard... Um I don't know if I talked about this before or not. We have so many conversations, it's hard to keep them all straight. Right. But um, did I tell you about how it's like coming in gray now? I, I was going to say that it, it, it does appear to be matching your um, rat tail that you're talking into right now, the microphone. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> yeah, so my beard is, um, it's, it's come back a little grayer than um, I remember it. Um, so that's kind of a bummer but you know what can i say i think though like if you were in your bow tie and everything and suspenders you would kind of have that professor vibe yeah yeah i guess i mean i'll take that um but you know i'm not a professor Uh, but according to our episode last week i am almost middle-aged so (laughs) (laughs) it's very true and that's also why like I'm only trying to bring back the mustache and not just scruff because right on my chin is starting to get more gray. Yeah. That's where mine's gray. Yeah. It's the chin. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just stick with bringing back the, uh, the mustache, um, just because there's less gray there. Actually, there's no gray that I'm aware of. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm going to just, I'm, I actually don't believe this. This is just for the sake of funny conversation. I should just dye it. <laughs> like like really dark brown. Like, Do it. Yeah. Um I I am not one of those people that I think it's like a privilege to grow old, so <laughs> if I got some gray hairs, I've earned them. Um, exactly. You know, so I'm not afraid to age. Um I certainly could hopefully um age healthy. That would be a, a goal, but yeah. you know, I don't, I don't need to put off anything like that. Well, you know, each birthday is kind of you know a new year, uh, another year earned. You get the scars oh, yeah. to show off yeah, what happened. Like you you have the gray hairs earned. of the things that you were able to overcome. You know, each birthday, each new year added to our our life is is a year earned. That's what I've always thought. Yeah, that makes sense. Now you you came packing with a dad joke. What what'd you bring? Oh, well, speaking of fitness and things, um, I've been fitness pizza in your mouth or something. No, no. no, Okay. No, come on. I'm better than that. All right. Um, now if I know this punchline, can I be a jerk and interrupt you? Absolutely. Okay. What concert can you go to? (laughs) (laughs) I was, I was trying to think of an unconventional (laughs) answer to that one. All right. Um, no, she boys. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so I've been uh, Nickelback reading a lot about um, you know physical fitness and yeah. running mm-hmm. and and diet. I've been I've been not I've not been on a diet. I have changed my diet. I'm now a vegetarian and all that sort of stuff, as you know. Um, but particularly as it as it pertains to like sort of working out, I decided I and this is this is not a joke. This is actually true. Um, you know, the doctor told me I should become a vegetarian. Um, and consume less red meat because of the type of cancer I had and all that sort of stuff. So I've been really looking into the dietary um, stuff. Um, and um, I really shouldn't actually run. My knees are bad. I've had knee surgery, all that sort of stuff. But I've been kind of um, thinking about not listening to the doctor and going running. Um, and I always did, like, distance running. Like, I did a half marathon, um, you know, I have never been um, a sprinter mm-hmm. before. Like, that's just not my sort of jam. Um, but I was like, well, maybe, like, long-distance running is not good for my knees. That's what the doctor said. So maybe I can get in, like, just do some, like, kind of, like, hit workouts and stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, so I was thinking, like, how do I couple this with, um, you know, eating healthy and, like, all that sort of stuff. And I'm one of those people... And again, this actually, uh, I know I'll get to the joke eventually, but I was like, just tell me when no, it's appropriate no, to laugh. No, it's fine. Um, I, I've always been one of those people that like, 
you know, I, I get into something and I want to learn all about it and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, and I like to have a goal. Certainly. So I can't just do something to do something. So I've decided that I want to get into um, sort of sprint workouts, right? I'm not trying to go to the Olympics, but I am, you know. Yeah. So I started looking into um, like what sorts of things um, should you eat before a sprint workout? Nothing. You fast. I like, I like that. I like that. I, I, was, I was just about to say, I was like, all right, I think he's going to the punchline, but I was about to say, tell me when I'm supposed to laugh. <laughs> See, here's the thing about another type of dad joke. Sometimes you need the very long, drawn out, totally unnecessary fluff information. To bring it in there. Just to bring it in there. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I um I'm I'm glad you recognize the long drawn out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's great. I like that one. Yeah, that's that's perfect. So I, I guess the short version is: What do sprinters eat before they before a race? Nothing. They fast. But mine was much more fun. Also, like, there was tidbits of truth in that. I'm I'm not so, trying to be a sprinter. That was a lie. So but. I I have to I have to just share this right. I'm supposed to report to the PR class from Otterbein that has been helping um, in a PR practicum class do social media and learn how to do PR campaigns. Yeah, they've been great, by the way. They've, um, they've been fantastic. Well, can we have a sidebar on this? Yeah. Just like, uh, not to interrupt you. No. <sighs> Honestly, I kind of feel like they're our parents. All of a sudden, they're like, I need that photo. Um, but Sean, but we're gonna doctor it up. Yeah, don't doctor it yeah, up. Yeah, don't touch that. Right? I'm like, man. <laughs> We've I'm, got, a gr- I'm a grown adult. We have seven seven PR students from Otterbein doing great work and also bossing us around. And, and, and we're like, look, we have wives bossing us around. Yeah, we yeah. have children at work and home bossing us around. I have a boss that bosses me we around. We have bosses that boss us around. Now yeah. we have seven. Um, and sometimes I refer to them as kids. Me too. <laughs> Me too. And, and they're twenty-two-year-old, you know, men and women. Yeah, um, they're adult, and, which, and we only. And just so we're all clear, we're only joking about this actually because they're actually doing a phenomenal. They're, they're job. doing a great job. Yeah. Um, they they have cleaned up social media, our posts and content, helped with some engagement. Uh, they're working on a media kit. I yeah, mean, I mean, yeah, done I, a lot. The, I'm really actually very, very impressed yeah, with their work. They've done a great job, and um, I'm supposed to tell them in a touch base ahead, so they can set, um, you know, preset uh, social media, the jokes and drinks and everything. I'm going to try and give the long version of your joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also, this is going to be a test because. <laughs> Several of them are following us on yes. social media. Yeah, and see if they actually listen. Yeah, so if we don't get a comment about like them bossing us around or something, yeah. we'll know they're, they're not fired. actually listening. Well, we can't actually fire them. A, they're not our employees. We don't pay them. B, we've committed to the university to allow them to do their project. And C, I'm going to go back to the first point, which was they're actually doing a good job. So, But I'm going to go back to point A. If they want an A... Mm. They need to be listening. Well, you know, there is that. So we have, um, I think, a really interesting topic that's very relatable to talk about. But what I want to talk about is this delicious summer cocktail. I don't think it's necessarily going to be marketed as a, a summer cocktail. But, man, I could drink that on a, on a hot day that you made for yeah. this Drinks with Dudes yeah. uh, segment. So it's, it's, once again, it's just you and I um, recording. In the flesh. In the flesh, in the real also, deal. which is fantastic. Yep. Um, we're, in, we're, once again, actually in your, um, your basement instead of the speakeasy. Um, we'll get back there eventually. But, yeah. Um, so I just got so excited to be recording with you again and everything. And I was just thinking about how passionate I was for you and this podcast. So we're going to call this drink my passion for you. Yes. And, um, you know, you can take that how you want listeners. Um, no, but on a real note, it's, uh, it's bourbon. It's two ounces of bourbon. It's three quarter ounces of passion fruit liqueur. 
and uh, an eighth of an ounce of simple syrup and a quarter ounce of uh, lemon juice. This is a stirred cocktail, not shaken. Um, stirred up, you know, until it's diluted. Um, for this, we did end up pouring it over, um, you know, an ice ball, but you certainly would be more than welcome to just do it, you know, up. Um, so, yeah, but it's like a nice, it's like fruity, and it, it's a pretty smooth simple thing to go down it's not ridiculously hard to make at all um there's no you know hard technique to this here's what people really need to know from everything you just said about this delicious drink which this is actually one of my favorites that you've made in the last couple of of episodes and months um our small touch base meeting before we recorded to this point I'm already on a pour of straight bourbon. Yeah. That's how good and easy that drink is to, um, that go, let me rephrase that. That's how easy this drink goes down. Yeah. yeah. And so you gotta so be careful with this one. You, you definitely have to. I mean, by the middle of this episode, I'm going to be slurring my speech yeah. because I'll be like, Oh, that juice you made. Yeah. That passion. juice. Yeah. yeah. I'll stop there. That, yeah. that could go down a different path. <laughs> <laughs> your, your passion for me just got me really drunk. Yeah. Um, but man, that goes down very easy. And if it's hot as hell out, mm -hmm. that would be a good one. Yeah. So we're trying to, some, you know, not that, not that we're a restaurant or anything, but we're trying to transition into a summer menu now for our drinks. So. I, I certainly do appreciate it. Um, and what else I appreciate is our last episode, I think, put a lot in perspective uh, for me, for you, yeah. for, for those who listened and, and the feedback that we got. It, it definitely hit home that 37, the age 37 for men is now officially the middle age. Mm-hmm. Uh, for life expectancy of being 74 years old for, for men. And that was based off a Men's Health uh, article that's out in a current issue. And so that kind of got me thinking this uh, this week. But then also um, Tuckerman is graduating from like the first level of daycare to toddler daycare. Oh, my gosh. It's like he's having his first milestone. It's his first graduation. It's his first graduation. I actually said to Heather, I go, we should buy him a gift like a little like good for you man yeah. because even though teachers are now granted he's the oldest now in the class whoa and so the teacher's like oh he's he's boom and it's like well look at the look at the low bar but <laughs> but also he, he he is doing some really um extraordinary things um which reminds me i just learned today about an australian cartoon for kids uh -huh. called bluey okay it is a kid's version of Adult Swim. Okay. It's dry Australian humor. The dad is extremely dry. And the way that the the um, animation's made, it looks like something that we would watch like for adult humor. <laughs> I am hooked. So Tuck will sit in his little man throne on the floor before school. Um, and then we even did it. Um, Heather was doing something uh, before we started recording. Um this evening that we're recording now so i was like i'm gonna put this on for him before we go outside and play and he just sits and he's glued and then i realize i'm also glued to this children's show because it's so dry it's it's hilarious like we, right, i'm gonna have to we, check into it bluey it's on disney but it's not a disney uh cartoon it's on disney plus you know what? I have not looked because I just learned about it this morning. Oh, right. um, if it is, that will be something that literally you can binge or um, after consuming some of uh, my passion for you, um, have a lot of fun watching. It is <laughs> it is just a classic. And for, right. I don't look at it as a kid's – well, I'll stop there. That's not what the episode's about. So Tuck is getting ready to go and graduate. So during dinner, I said, we should get him a stuffed animal of bluey they're all dogs by the way it's awesome oh, it's I hilarious like it. and so um to celebrate that milestone we're gonna get him uh a, like 18 inch tall Aww. um stuffed bluey and so last episode that uh happening for tuckerman got me thinking um not even just as a father as a man as a human as a person milestones that we have hit 
that have kind of made us. Mm-hmm. And the more I've reflected on this, the more that I have found other milestones that shape me beyond what I thought would be the milestones I'd want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And maybe that will shape, shape some of your answers. Maybe for listeners, that will start to get you to think deep in the queue. Um, what has shaped you? Because I'm not going to talk about my wedding. Yeah. Okay. Or college graduation. Okay. Although those would be the top of the top, the more I thought about it, more other things have shaped me, some that I'm proud of and didn't think of until I started to reflect in preparation, but then others that I've always been ashamed of. Mm, yeah. And so I only have three. Okay. Um, <laughs> You're not that well-shaped. <laughs> I'm not that well-shaped. I have not done a lot of good or a lot of bad in my life <laughs> to this point for milestones, but... Also, because I know that some of these might spark for you. Mm, all right. And I want to leave this open. And then at, at the end, I have a fourth, which relates to us. Okay. All right. My passion for you. All right. So first and foremost, before we start, cheers. Cheers. What a delightful drink. I'm excited for this. First and foremost, I think it's important for us to always be reflecting on where we are in our lives. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure just in your line of, of work. I think that's a totally healthy exercise to do. Right? Um, especially, okay, this is going to go off a little bit. Um, but I had a boss, one of the best bosses I ever had, um, that every year um, loved his job. Like he was never intended to leave or anything like that. Every year he would update his resume. Yeah. Um, actually I think it was every six months. Like he actually put it on his calendar and he would sit down and he would update his resume. Um, and him and I had a conversation about it one time. Um, and again, this wasn't because he was looking for a job. It was, he was like, there are things that I do that I am, you know, I'm proud of, or I think that are, are worth, you know, sort of sharing if i were to need you know if i were going to go um apply for a job then and i and i hadn't looked at my resume in like six months or in you know six seven years yeah there might be some things that i would that are really valuable assets to think about that i hadn't thought about yeah um and that always he was also a a therapist um and I, I just thought that was like a really brilliant thing. And that kind of like comes back around to like what we're talking about. I think sometimes if you don't get in the habit of reflecting upon things, and that's actually been maybe one of the nicer, one of the, not nicer, but like one of the highlights of, of actually just doing this podcast with you is um, on almost a weekly basis, I get to reflect on right. something. Certainly. Right. Um, and it's like a super healthy thing for you to do. Um, but I think sometimes people shy away from it because they tend to not reflect on things. And I don't have any research that backs this up. Um, so I could be totally wrong. Just my personal opinion. I think a lot of people don't reflect on things until a major life event happens. I, I, I 100% agree. My, my, my past life, I was a youth minister and I always thought like a lot of folks, and we know statistically, not a lot of folks are practicing religion right now. But not a lot of people turn to prayer and meditation until something happens yeah. negatively yeah. in their life. So I'm 100%. Yeah. And I don't even know that it has to be a negative thing. But, like, you're talking about those milestones. Like, this is not a moment that shaped me. But, like, I can remember reflecting, like, at my high school graduation. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. All these things have happened, right? And then, like, reflecting when I got married. All, and, and you absolutely should reflect on those things, but if the only times you're doing reflections are when you're, you know, 18, I was in my mid to late 20s when we got married, um, you know, that's a lot of time that has sort of passed, and there's a lot of things, I think you're cheating yourself out of the opportunity to grow if you don't spend some time with your, with just sort of thinking to yourself. So um, I think people need to update their self-reflective resume more frequently. 
That is a profound thought right there. And I think that's that uh, I'll agree with you. Uh, doing the podcast has been phenomenal because even, you know, if we stop today, what a great reflection of our friendship, my marriage, and raising a son during a pandemic. You know, what a great reflection that is during that time, you know? Yeah. And that's been uh, an absolute gift. Now, I want to again say for anyone listening and, of course, for the one person that gives me the most uh, critical feedback, Heather, my wife, outside of my wedding and the birth of my son, which would be two of the biggest milestones, I'm not going to talk about those. So they're not. it's not that they're not milestones. We're just avoiding, we're avoiding stereotypical milestones. I'm getting away from exactly what, what people like when you say one person dead or alive that you would like to meet. I always like to use that question and getting to know you questions for like retreats and things. You cannot meet Jesus or the founding fathers because I feel like there's like go-to people. Mm, Like if you can meet someone dead or alive. So for this, I'm going to get rid of the obvious those, of course, are huge milestones that have truly shaped my life, my heart, everything. But my first milestone in my adult life that I want to to bring up was the day I signed my paperwork to be honorably discharged from the military. I was a reservist. I was working full time. And here's why. One, I was so miserable being a reservist at an active duty station and not getting the the treatment, the experience, or the opportunity to grow that I wanted, I couldn't wait to get the hell out. But once I signed it, I also realized that most of my high school career and most of my life in hearing from my dad, all I wanted to do was go active duty and do 20 years. Mm -hmm. But then once I got through that realization, it dawned on me for the first time because I got out after six years that was my enlistment but it was eight year enlistment because there was two year inactive so if we went to war or something like i could still be called up or i could still volunteer oh um and they still had to know where i lived (laughs) and other updates of like i if i moved i had to like update my records so after six years that would have been 2010 i was six years out of high school Mm -hmm. two years out of college mm-hmm. that was the first time in my life where i had a significant change yeah where all of a sudden i was like when this started i had my parents at my side as i signed papers mm. grew as a man in good and bad ways through those six years and now all of a sudden one i have this now on my resume i'm done i'm out but then i was like now i'm done and out yeah like I no longer wear boots. Now I'm wearing dress shoes all the time yeah. for a paycheck. And like that was the first time in my life where I was like, you know, we try to be family friendly, but the first time where I was like, shit, yeah. I'm old. Like now I have something that I'm done and through with. So, and so that was the first time where I had that gut punch, you know, and how old was I then? I would have been 24, 25. And that was the first time that it actually hit me like, okay, this is the this is the adult world. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first milestone for me. I, I don't know. Does, does that hit you? Because you've, you've had quite the diverse um, early career. Oh. Not saying that it has to be relating to my, my milestone that it, I'm sharing. It, <laughs> so this is where it's going to get real. Do it. Real talk. Right. We love it on the pod. Um, so before I became a counselor, I worked as a paramedic. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm kind of chuckling, not because it's funny, because it's actually really sad. And it was a very defining moment. Um, when I was a paramedic, I was in school. Yeah. Actually, I wasn't even fully a paramedic yet. I was a paramedic in school <clears throat> or learning to become one. And um, when you're going through training and all that stuff, it, it takes quite a bit of time. Um, it's not like a, 
semester of college and you're done. It takes about a, a little over a year, a full calendar year, and hundred, literally hundreds of hours of like ride time and patient interaction and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, I would have probably, I guess I would have been like 20, 19, 20, somewhere in there. Yeah. Jeez. And, um, I saw someone die right in front of me. Really? Like, I mean, like literally I was interviewing this individual um, like, 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 are you okay? Like, How are you well, feeling? Yeah, so they were, they were in the hospital. Okay. I was doing like a, a clinical encounter. Um, cause part of it was that you had to ride on the ambulance, but then you had also had to like work in the ER basically. Certainly. And you had to do like patient interviews and, and then you, you'd interview them and then you'd go back to your instructor and the instructor would ask you questions like, well, you know, like what would you do if you were in the field? All that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I was just conducting like a regular old interview with um, a a person and um, all of a sudden they stopped talking to me. I was like looking down, writing a note, uh, writing down what they had said because, you know, this was well before the age of iPads and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So I literally scribbling with a pencil. This was the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) I hate you now. But I'm writing, and all of a sudden, I'm like, she's not talking. And I look up, and I was like, uh, ma'am. <laughs> and I'm like, Jake. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm like this woman's, like, not breathing. Mm-hmm. And I had to, um, you know, hit the, like, I called for help. And, like, people came in and all that. So it's yeah. not like I was alone. Um, but, yeah, that was a defining milestone moment. I could, I can only imagine. And it was like one of those things where like I was going into a career where I certainly knew people that was something that would happen that, you know, all that sort of stuff. But at like 20 years old, I was like 20, 21, maybe I was not prepared to like go for it. Yeah. I mean, you train for it, but you don't know what the hell it's going to be like. Right. I, I, I don't know what it's like to see someone pass. Um, I had opportunities opportunity sounds inappropriate. I've had experiences in in my career as a reservist of saving lives yeah. of folks um in in vessels that were dead in the water and lost um people who were overboard and we had to pull pull you know help them um a defining moment that I did not think about until you said that, I volunteered to go down to Hurricane Katrina recovery. Oh, yeah. You've talked about that before. And it was just after Hurricane Rita that I went down. Here's why I volunteered. One, I've always had the call in my heart that I would rather do action than talk. If there's one thing that gets under my skin, and, and I hope, I hope that I don't show it, is it aggravates me when people are are typing tough or talking tough, but then don't back up their actions. Yeah. Like that is the one thing that in my heart of hearts, I'm bad mouthing you (laughs) (laughs) or at the dinner table and God bless Heather. um, She just lets me lament. I would rather talk. I'm sorry. (laughs) I would rather do than talk. Yeah. And so I was studying political science, um, at Otterbein, mm-hmm. and we were having all these debates of everything that that was happening just after Hurricane Katrina, like it was fresh, mm-hmm. like all the issues. And I volunteered. I I remember getting the phone call. I guess this is a milestone. So I have I, I have a couple milestones, but I'll take away a milestone for the sake of time yeah, later. All right. I <laughs> I got a phone call at seven in the morning on a Saturday from a lieutenant from our sector that was in Buffalo that oversees like our, our, um, our area where I was at and I was stationed up on the great lakes, uh, on Lake Erie. And, um, first off seven in the morning for anyone in college on a weekend 
is yeah, a no-no. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I got home at four in the morning. Yeah, there's a good chance you may have still been a little I, intoxicated. The funny, the funny thing that you say is, I actually the lieutenant goes, "Did I wake you?" And I said, "Sir, I I am a sophomore in college. Yes, you did. I just got home." <laughs> and our conversation before I knew why I was having a lieutenant on my cell phone at the time was man to be young again i go yes sir <laughs> I go, so what's up <laughs> he goes i need you to show up by monday at eight in the morning <laughs> i was like roger that <laughs> but um the reason why i bring it up and and you you had jogged my memory um on this that was the first time in my life where i felt that i did a put up or shut up moment yeah right you you signed up to help people as a paramedic. I signed up to help people in the Coast Guard. And you train, you do things, and you hope not to see things. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, I was like, all the things that we saw on CNN and Fox News, I now was in. Yeah. And that was the first time where I was like, I don't care what people are saying or doing. I'm just going to do it right now. Yeah. Because this that's is no the right, longer the news. This is actually that's, real. That's the right thing to do. And and that probably, that I know shaped my heart at least to serve more and volunteer more um, as an adult. And I was 19 at the time. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't imagine what you went through. Uh, I can tell you exactly what I did afterwards. Please, please, if you're if you're willing. Yeah. Um, there was a little bit of tears, but oh, then I, I went and um, <laughs> I went to, there was a subway in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> I ate like four of those chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> you ate your feelings? Oh, I totally ate my is, feelings. Is that what you did? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I totally did. I love it. Um, yeah, no. And it wasn't so much, I had been around people when they had um past before mm-hmm. but this is the first time that um it was it was like awake awake alive talking dead um you know versus like other times where you know it was like somebody i knew and it was just kind of like slower like you know yeah. say goodbye to your great grandma yeah those sorts of things um but yeah i would say that is a a definitive um defining moment for me yeah um and realizing that um I wasn't I wasn't playing a game. Yeah. Right? Like this wasn't this was a real thing. Um and that trend, you know, I had several of those eye-opening moments um both in my career as a paramedic and even as a student. Um but I'd say I got to go with that one as as a defining moment. Definitely. Well, you know, on on kind of a I don't want to say downer, but on kind of a a eye-opening lower milestone of our lives that really shaped our our lives our hearts um and i don't mean seeing someone passing as a lower moment i just mean in terms of you know that's not the most uplifting yeah um there was a time where i left a job um i was a youth minister working with high schoolers middle schoolers um helping in a day school i was doing all this stuff but i was i was burnt out and um i was like you know what I'm I'm burnt out. I'm a firm believer that hurt people hurt people. I'm not in the right space to take on a new job full time. And through um, some good luck and a and a great friend Scott, um, I was able to do six months as a tripping guide out in Maine and New Hampshire. Yeah. And um, I had already for a couple of years been a hiker backpacker. Um, but what defined me in this moment, this was the lowest moment. So I left the job that I really loved but was burnt out, wasn't ready to face the fact that I was a, a you know an adult mm-hmm. on my own. Um, I already was living at home at the time. So I was like, well, it doesn't get any lower than this. Well, it could get lower than this, and I sure as hell hope it doesn't get lower than this. And so I, I jetted out to uh, Maine. Mm-hmm. And I've shared stories in past episodes about Maine. But what I think shaped my heart in the lowest of moments was to get me in the highest of moments. And I got paid for a full summer to legitimately climb mountains. But although I physically climb mountains, I think it was an entire summer of day after day being on top of a different mountain 
for me to truly realize life sucks right now. I'm an adult and I have to suck it up and I have to find a way to make it work. Yeah. I know not everyone thinks that way. That's how I interpret it. So I would take time at the top of, of the summit of the mountain to say, here I am on another mountain. Right now I'm figuratively in a valley or I'm climbing up a grueling mountain. I just have to find my true north. Yeah. And so um, I remember one day in particular, and this was kind of the milestone for, for, for me in, in the second one that I really wanted to bring up, was I was sitting atop uh, Mount Washington, which obviously has a lot of um, meaning to, to our family with Tuckerman's namesake. But um, I was sitting on, on this, this cliff. I found an area. I just I didn't want to see any pavement. I didn't want to see people, and this was actually on my day off. Um, side note, I took about a dozen and a half college-age women while I was in my mid-20s up this mountain on this day. So it was oh. actually a really good day. Yeah, yeah. But I was doing it because I knew how to get up the mountain, and you know I had the access to the vans, all that. But I'm sitting and I'm meditating, and I'm just like, what, what am I doing? Where am I going? And... Um, I kid you not, my eyes were closed for probably five minutes, but it felt like an hour, and this fog came in. Like, I'm talking like I couldn't see beyond, like, my hand. Couldn't see the, the, the ground, couldn't see, you know, 100 feet above me at the summit. I'm just on this ledge, and I just closed my eyes, and I'm just like, all right, I feel like I'm almost hitting rock bottom, but I just need to be able to see where it is I need to be in my life because I was – 25 i think at the time i was applying for jobs that summer back home here in ohio but no one was biting and um by the time i opened my eyes a second time all the fog's gone now this time i probably was closing my eyes i may have fallen asleep i don't know i was tired i climbed for three hours um the fog had lifted and i kid you not a bald eagle was flying what felt like within a grasp of my hand but probably you know 50 yards out from me and i was like you know what if i can climb these mountains i can get over the hurdles in my 20s you know maybe for some of you listening in your early 30s wherever you're at we can climb these mountains but we just need to take that moment to to take a step back and be like all right where am i truly going and that was that moment that hit me in my face. I remember going back. I started applying for jobs. I started getting interviews. And then eventually, not too long after, boom, was able to kind of start to see that more clear path. That was a very long story. I like but it. But it was a summer of climbing mountains when I felt like literally life was throwing me mountains to get over. And it just took me busting my ass, blood, sweat, and tears over legitimate mountains to put my – get my act together i like that i'm jealous i mean not of, of the rough time but uh of being able to have that sort of experience um in terms of like just a, the time to go out and hike and all that sort of stuff for a, a prolonged period of time well you have yours coming up yeah i do i do i have mine coming up um you know i'm actually gonna I've got my last, my last one picked. Yeah, I'm actually gonna go back. No, I know what I'm gonna say. Do it. All right. I, as a child, loathed, absolutely hated math. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm no good at it. I don't like it. I, my dad, who was an engineer, was trying to help me, and he, like, loved it. And I was like, I don't understand what you would like about any of this, right? Right. <laughs> I, I hate it. I can't do it. I'm not any good at it. I'm not smart. I was not, um, I was not a confident student. I was a confident social yeah. kid. Um, but not when it came to being a student... Um, I was the funny one, not the smart one. My sister was the smart one, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, I was the, you know, the baby. And my brother was the likable one. I, you know, there were all these sort of things. Um, but I, I never saw myself as a smart, uh, a smart person or student. 
and that's still something I, I sort of um, struggle with in terms of um, feeling confident in some decisions I make and things I say sometimes. But um, I remember Kimberly and I, we were, I think we were married. Maybe we were engaged. No, we would have been married. We were married. And Kimberly says um, that we need some storage. I looked at her and I was like, I can build something. I had, yeah, my dad didn't teach me how to use tools. Um, I didn't take wood shop. But I was like, no, I, I think I can build that. <laughs> and truth be told, I'm pretty sure Kimberly was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um but I remember I built a a little like cubicle bookcase. Now looking back, I'm like, gosh, that was a wreck of a thing that I built. But now I've built a lot of things. Um but all of a sudden I was like, I I know how to do math. I I under all of a sudden I felt like um not that I did, I don't mean it the way it sounds, but like the best way I can describe it was like all of a sudden I felt this like like I was my father's son. I felt this like deep connection. Like all of a sudden it was like something clicked in my brain, and I was like, I understand how my dad thinks about things sometimes, and like all that sort of stuff. And I went from, um, you know, sort of seeing myself in one light to seeing myself in another light. And now I, I teach woodworking classes. I. Uh, built my own desk and chairs in my office um oh yeah you did that's a nice looking desk too yeah it's got climbing rope on it it's a it's a nice little setup but um yeah all of a sudden like this mo this little like moment of i don't know let's not go to ikea i'll build it yeah turned into like uh a piece of confidence that turned into a passion that turned into a hobby like and now i've you know I've built our kitchen table, our, um, dining nook, like all kinds of stuff. I'm working on building, um, a whole storage box and pop-up tent and all that stuff for my father and I's, um, trip. And it just, it, it, it enabled me to discover something about myself. Yeah. Um, gain a little bit of confidence, but then it also gave me a passion and a hobby that I now get to share with other people. Um, and so, I don't know, I, I guess I picked that because in the grand scheme of things, that's like a blink of a moment, right? You built a bookcase, like, eh. But, like, I encourage people to look at the blink, mm-hmm. like, right? And that's, you know, that's that's really what we're sort of talking about, too, is this, this whole thing about um it's not about these yes you have big life-defining moments you graduate from high school from college if you if you go or you get married if you end up being married right there are these definitive things um and those are defining moments but you're missing defining moments little defining moments because the reality is is that like you are shaped by the hundreds and thousands of decisions and moments that you that you do all the time it's not these just these big moments so yeah i'd say for me the first time i built something um and i went from being like the little kid who i always liked to draw and i always liked to like imagine things but i never did it did it yeah and then and then i think there was also this piece too of like a follow-through piece like went from like idea to actual buying something to putting it together you know like that sort of piece and and the older we get whether we're single married have kids don't have kids man woman it it doesn't matter like we think about when we have this next milestone when i'm married this will happen when i get the dream job this will happen when i have a kid this will happen when i have a kid that's graduating this will happen I've been stoked to start an above-ground garden ever since recording with Seed Babies. Yeah. I have the garden set. I'm just waiting to plant some things. Um, actually, I, I hope to plant them this weekend, actually, because 
I wasn't quite ready when because she she had said before April started where you can yeah. plant in Ohio, um, and we think there's a misconception that we have to wait until it's hot. And then when I was ready to do it, then it was like three days of freezing, and I was yeah. like, probably not the best time to start. Yeah. But like, I love to mow the lawn because I'm seeing something that looks unkept look clean. I'm waiting to see a box of dirt bring to life. Yeah. I'm bringing that to life. Yeah. And there was um, two more things that I really wanted to bring up milestone-wise, but I'm going to use this garden analogy to to go into my main point because I want to segue my main point into another point that involves you and I. Oh, okay. I still got to share my final milestone. Then I won't segue into that. I want to see this garden go from nothing to a structure, to a structure with dirt, to providing sustenance in life. A milestone that defines me outside of my marriage, outside of having a child, outside of graduating from a university, is that I can say I kept a human alive for one year yeah 18 months well now 18 months but like i remember his birthday i think i jokingly but in my heart was serious uh to heather that instead of celebrating him he didn't do anything we changed him we we were sleepless yeah, that's why i said we fed him we yeah, exactly right <laughs> we kept him alive that first birthday should be for us when when yeah. most people when it's not covid year are shelling out hundreds or thousands of dollars for a first first birthday that a kid's not going to remember that should be a that should be a party for the parents yeah we kept someone alive damn it and so i think that defined me in in the sense that i wish i could make more things and take pride in making more things just like you were sharing. Um, I haven't had that opportunity, and that's why I'm excited for this garden. Yeah. I think that's why I take so much pride in my yard. Yeah. <laughs> and um, But for me, it hit me at, at one year. I was like, we can do this. Yeah. The honeymoon period's over. The training wheels are off. This sucks, but we did it. Yeah. And so that really... Um, was a milestone for me and and um, one that I think really shaped my heart uh, and my mind. But I, I think there's a lot of other minor milestones that helped in that year yeah. to, to get there. And that, that comes back to the point we were trying to make, though, that we need to celebrate all of those smaller ones instead of just wanting to get to like that mountaintop, that, that glorious milestone. There's a lot that gets us there that we overlook. Yeah. Um, I wanted to segue it into something else, but I don't want to cheat you yeah. of, of your milestone. Well, I appreciate that. So I think it would be foolish and unfair um, to not say that ringing a bell to, signi- to signal. Hell yeah that I that I finished chemo um was wasn't a milestone absolutely oh what a big milestone that was what what before you go on what went through your mind when you rang that bell can you remember that um or did you black out like no I remember it first well, I don't know. I think I shared this, uh, or if I didn't, you know, whatever. If I have, forgive me. I actually, um, when I started chemo, if you don't know this, a lot of places when you go through chemo, they have a chemo bell at, at, on the floor of whatever unit you're going on. And um, you get to ring the bell when you're finished with chemo. And it's uh, like kind of like a rite of passage. It's a it's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I met my uh, medical oncologist, um, I made some comment about like, can't wait to ring the bell. And he was like, Yeah, we don't actually have one of those. <laughs> and I was like, uh, What? And he was like, Yeah, no, like other floors have it, but like, as far as I know, the the floor where you'll be getting your your treatment doesn't actually have a chemo bell 
And I was like, I'm not going through all this if I don't get to ring a bell. Yeah. So um, I actually, um, I intended to purchase a bell. Um, And um, Fortin Ironworks in Grandview, Mm -hmm. um, which we should absolutely tag in all of this, um, donated it. The whole thing. No. Yeah. Really? So, um, my, I, I couldn't go anywhere cause I was going through chemo. So my mom went and was explaining to them like, Hey, I want to buy this bell. I was going to buy it on Amazon originally. And then I was like, well, let's see if, if I can, if we can just find it like locally or yeah. whatever. Um, and so Fortin heard about what I, what was going on and the, you know, the Florida, she didn't have a bell and all that stuff. Um, and I was like, I just want the, you know, I, I just want a bell. I want to make the, the stand. That yeah. it goes on. Um, and then I got sicker and sicker just because of chemo, and I, I was unable to make – I was just too weak and too tired, and I ended up having a blood clot and all that sort of stuff, and I couldn't make um, the stand. So I got closer, and then I finally said to my mom, I, I can't do it. I can't make it. And um, a group of, of employees at Fortin actually – made the stand Hmm. um and mounted it and the whole thing and someone else donated um their time and resources and 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 engraved a plaque on the back my sister um wrote a beautiful um thing that was engraved and my you know says that it was donated by me and all that sort of stuff um so i remember carrying the bell in big old bag like a like a grocery like a reusable grocery bag um and i brought <laughs> i brought like donuts and stuff in for all the nurses that i had spent literally over 100 hours in their care um and i have pictures of they like made a card for me and everything at the end and i'm like super puffy because of chemo and all the drugs and all that sort of stuff um and i i remember cupping the inside of the bell i didn't want to hear it ring until i rang it and i i mean like it had clanked a little bit here and there but i was adamant that the first time i was going to hear that bell ring was when i like did it with purpose and my uh, my whole family was there. My wife was there. My mom, dad, brother, sister, nieces, nephew, everybody showed up. Um, and this was during COVID. And so, um, I had to take it outside and this was December by all accounts. It should have been very cold, a miserable sort of thing. It was a bluebird, beautiful, like 60 some degree day. Um, and we all got to stand outside my the nurse that took care of me um and in all honesty i remember crying and i remember looking at my wife and i just said i'm tired mm-hmm. that was it like i wish there was some profound like but i was just tired and that like i know that's that's like anticlimactic but that's also the truth that like sometimes milestones are just exhausting, like good, bad, and different. Like I think often milestones are exhausting because that's where you grow. Certainly. Right. Um, you know, I didn't, I, it certainly has like shifted um, the way I approach things and all that sort of stuff. But, but in that moment, I think what, what made it uh almost what made it a mo- a milestone aside from the act active like i don't have to go through chemo anymore and all that sort of stuff was i just got to be um honest and real with myself in that moment that like all the other stuff didn't matter yeah right like um yeah that and i was okay with it i didn't feel bad i was just like i'm done and i'm tired i'm proud of myself but i'm tired i just need a break and i took a break um 
like I said, you know, that's like not, it's certainly not like an uplifting story, but that's the truth of, uh, of, yeah. of what happened. And I think, I also think this sort of bleeds into another thing of, um, some don't look for some, some huge defining thing to happen for it to be, um, for me, the milestone wasn't as much that I finished chemo as it was that I just had a moment to just sort of take all of it in. Yeah. Right. The milestone, the milestone was brought upon because of something going on like that. Yeah. You know, but the big reason I choose it as a milestone was that like I experienced life in a raw and a real moment Certainly. in that way. Does that make sense? Well, like, you, you weren't hooked up to a machine. You weren't being driven to go get hooked up to a machine or from being hooked up. It was a moment for you to just be like, and here I am. Yeah. And like, I didn't have to pretend to be positive. I didn't have to like, I certainly was excited. Like, I don't mean it that way, but like it was the real, it's you, not the act of finishing chemo. It was the act of, living a moment in a very real way there's a thousand and one things that i respect and love from from that story and you didn't tell me all that detail and uh and until now what i love about it is though that your raw emotion in that moment was exactly how that story should should be too many people are like okay now i'm done i should be this i should be healthy i should have my energy you're just like i'm tired yeah i'm not sure what's happening next but i'm tired and and with respect to your story and 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 i don't want to cut from that and i'm and i'm not trying to but like we go from life-changing circumstances like what you just shared or big milestones that are that fail in comparison to what you just shared and they were like, okay, and, and, and what's next? But you took that moment to be like, I don't really know what's next, but I got here, I'm thankful for being here, and I'm tired. And this is where I am. And I don't think we have, I don't think I have as a dad in this last 18 months, um, outside of us, like you said earlier, recording weekly to kind of reflect on where we're at as, as husbands, men, you know, people, um, I don't think we take that time to just authentically have a response to where we're at yeah. and what we overcome. It was the most mindful moment in my entire life. It wasn't about what had already happened or it wasn't about what was happening next. It was literally just, okay, this is where I am. Yeah. Outside of the fact that you're, you were done with your treatments and I love the story for that. I love the story for the teaching point too. That it's an excellent reminder that no matter how good or bad that milestone is, it's okay at that moment to just be. Yeah. However you're feeling, you don't have to think about the next thing, right? You leave a, a team meeting, you're like, shoot, here's a dozen more things I have to add to my to-do list. You go home and you, you talk to your, your significant other and you're like, okay, now we have to do this. Like, when was the last time we just sat in, okay, I'm tired. Okay, I feel great, but I don't want to do something right now. I just want to soak this in. Yeah. That's, that's a hell of a milestone. One, for you getting out of, uh, out, uh, out of the treatments and, and being healthy and, and being on the right track right now. But that teaching point, though, of just being where you're at. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Now, there is one moment I, I, I think that we're going to share in common. Certainly. As a defining moment. Yes. Um, and, and you know what? For the sake of being corny. Yeah. Well, it fails after the story you just like yeah. we're not, milestones aren't comparison moments that's true and and we we talked when when sasha and sarah were on here about comparing yeah. one person's circumstances yeah. to another but um we are almost hitting one year 
I know. We we've technically hit one year since I started this, yes. but I don't count that because I really think that the 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 magic happened when you and I started, and I believe it was officially around the end of May. Okay. Um, when you came on for the second time, but in a capacity of we knew that this was a team, and it was no longer just mine. Um, it was us. And um, with that being said, we have had a year to reflect as men, mm-hmm. as um, sons, as significant others, as professionals. And um, I think every story we've shared comes back to the point of how great of an exercise this has been for you and I Yeah. to, I, I guess if there's a common theme, be. Yeah. And just reflect on where we are. And um, we have some plans in the works for that one-year anniversary. For sure. We have some pretty lofty goals, not to be confused with my last name, Lofi, which I often <laughs> get lofty. Um we have some big things coming up. Yeah, we do. And um, oh, listen here, we've already been on the cover of a magazine. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And there there's might, talks of there's talks of, of some other things. Yeah, potentially happening. Some other features involved. Um, I heard this could be quite intense. Oh yeah, it's some intense conversations. We're gonna have up. intense conversations, so stay tuned for what that might mean let alone our teaser of another possible publication. Yeah. Yeah, no, in all honesty, I I totally agree. Um, Even, and I think you sort of said this, even if, um, if you called me up tomorrow and you're like, we're never doing this again, that was our last episode, Um, eternally grateful for the opportunity to sort of record thoughts, reflect on things, all that sort of stuff. Um you know, I hope that it's something that when I'm like super old, you know, hopefully living past the median age, like in the nineties, right? right? Um, <laughs> they probably won't know how to play it. Be like, can you get out my iPod so that I can play this? Um, <laughs> like, What's an iPod? Right. Spotify. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but, um, no, I think it's it, it, it's certainly been an awesome thing. Um, in one year, and I don't mean to cut you off. No. Go you went from not knowing about cancer to cancer to overcoming cancer to the path you're on now. Mm-hmm. Tuckerman has had two surgeries on his skull. Mm-hmm. We have been through a pandemic. Still currently are. Still, still. We're yeah, on the upswing. Currently going through. Like... those are three huge things let alone if we really took the time to reflect like this has been a phenomenal opportunity to not just be but to um really just look at the good that is going on through all of this but then also take the time to learn from one another yeah or the bad going on and learn from that or learn from others about how to overcome. And I think that that needs to also be a milestone for a lot of listeners, um, for us as well, of those times where we just had to stop and hear from someone what we needed to hear in that moment in time. Yeah, so my sincerest hope with this podcast and and maybe even this episode in particular um, is that um, the conversation, this is a conversation starter, not... Uh, just something that you sort of like passively take in. And I think I said, I've said this before, but like I would, there's nothing more that I want other than having um, people be like, yeah, I listened to that episode and you know, I reflected on this or um, my significant another and I had a conversation about this. Um, So hopefully this sparks a thought for you. Hopefully this like gets you excited about something, um, and have those conversations with people. Um, that's what this is all about. Actually. You know, I love the sound of my voice. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, but really it's not about the conversation that you and I have. My hope is that we're inspiring other people to have conversations about all sorts of things. Certainly. If not individually at home for those that, that have someone at home to stop and say, you know what? We're doing all right. Mm -hmm. Or here's where we need to start kind of thinking. And you know, should you feel like you want to start to have a conversation with us, you are more than welcome, um, encouraged even, to reach out to us on, on uh, some social media. Mm -hmm. You can find us on Instagram, on, um, let's see, what else? Facebook. Facebook. Um, Twitter. Twitter. I can't remember the other MySpace. one. MySpace. MySpace. <laughs> ah, the forgotten good one. I was going to let you close this close this uh, this one out. Yeah, MySpace actually don't interact with us on there. We don't know how I, to I interact haven't done anything on there. I still yeah, don't know how yeah. to change the picture. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> um and our website actually. Absolutely. Uh, it's such podcast. a good website. Yeah. Um and then you can always drop us a line at the podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. Um so, yeah. Until next time, stay strong, dadass.